On today's episode, I can't wait because we discuss NFL Week 8. This and much, much more. It's time to sideline the agenda. Welcome to Sideline the Agenda. My name is Scott, and with me is Kevin and Chris, and welcome to the show that sidelines the talking points of the corporate sports media. We give you our opinions unapologetically, nothing is out of bounds, and every subject is fair game. Well, coming up, the fate of NFL Week 8. But first, we would like to invite you to join our agenda to sideline the agenda by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy your podcast entertainment. You can also follow us on Twitter at sideline agenda sideline the agenda get off the sideline and into the game all right welcome everybody to sideline the agenda thank you so much for spending your monday your halloween fun day with us how spooky trick or treat <laughs> thank you so much of course sideline the agenda we do this show every monday wednesday and friday giving you all the greatest latest takes and uh uh opinions and whatnot uh to uh to to, to fill your day with some uh some entertainment sports entertainment that is that's how we do some um, hot knowledge some hot knowledge exactly <laughs> so uh yeah uh, happy halloween everybody yeah happy halloween <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on what's going on in the sports world uh real quick chris you were you were talking about uh the, yeah, world, we got series. the world series going on of course uh and uh t- we talked about it last episode to to kevin's point very even series as we are knotted up one each uh saw an epic comeback in game one uh, Phillies got down five nothing. Yeah, real right quick away. for those of you who don't know, of course, it is the Astros, the Houston, Houston Astros, Astros, and the uh, Philadelphia and Phillies. The Philadelphia Phillies, absolutely. And uh, a little bit of history. Uh, people say that history repeats itself. It absolutely does. Uh, last time a team got a five to nothing lead and ended up losing the game, it was in two thousand two. And guess who was the coach? It was Dusty Baker. No kidding. Oh, wow. So twenty years later, we saw it happen again in the World Series. Wow. Uh, so a great comeback, and then a game two. Houston basically just handled the the whole game. So going back to Philadelphia, uh, they're going to play tonight. That's going to be a very exciting matchup there. We'll see what happens, but uh, I'm still uh, rooting for the Phillies, like most of America, if unless you're living in Texas or. Or Houston, <laughs> well, they're definitely the villain. Of course, yeah, the Houston Astros are are, are the villain in the in 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 all of uh, Major League Baseball because of the uh, cheating scandals and whatnot. So so actively, a lot of people are are, are rooting against them for that. But uh, I myself am rooting for the Phillies because I'm a, I'm a baseball purist. I think that uh, if you're going to put a pitcher on the field, that MFR needs to step to the plate and bat as well. And so uh, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the DH. Never have been. Yeah. Never will. And so uh, now. National League is the pure version of the game, and so therefore, uh, I, I'm rooting for for any team that represents the National League and not that uh, commie bullshit known as the uh, American League and the uh, the DH. Yeah, the little buzzers, the little the Astro buzzers Astro out buzzers. there. <laughs> I was actually pretty surprised with the Phillies in Game One. Uh, once I saw Astros take the three zero, uh, pretty much jump right after the first inning. I pretty much figured that they were going to tie this one up, and they obviously did. Did come out to you know a pretty good, decent, um, decent game. Looking forward to Game Three. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Hopefully, Phillies will get it. You know, because I'm I, I line with you, Scott, as well. National League all the way, um, and hopefully, Phillies you know regain lead in this series. 
Either way, should be a slugfest, though. And we just saw another slugfest this past weekend as well. Yeah, did you guys see in Glendale, Arizona, uh, at the Desert Diamond Arena, uh, did you guys watch this? Any of the, the Jake Paul I, and I, I, I Anderson Silva no, fight? I don't even I know who Jake Paul I is. I mean, I kind of know who he is. Like, like I said, I, my familiarity is runs as deep as that he was like a YouTuber yep, and yeah. then like dabbling in boxing. I can't or give any of my money to him. MMA or whatever. I don't even know. I, all I know is that he's he's trying to do something. I mean, obviously he's he's making money uh, yep. doing. Uh, these That's bouts and whatnot. Pretty much but, all it is. Yeah. Jake Paul, obviously a YouTube star, um, it turned prize fighter. I think the gentleman's 25 years old. Uh, yeah, fought wow. Anderson Silva, who's a UFC legend, legend. Uh, yeah. in the middleweight division. And you know, Anderson Silva's, Silva is 47 years old. So he's yeah. <laughs> well past his prime for sure. <laughs> Guys, I tuned into this fight here. This fight was pretty much uh, much to do about nothing. It just showed, uh, you know, this is pretty much for the fans, for Anderson Silva. Uh, everyone is rooting for Jake Paul to get knocked the F out, let's be honest. Right. Yeah. Um, every, whoever tunes in, it's, it's specifically for that reason. Um, Anderson did get him with a couple good combos. You did see a little spider, you know, the l- little spider Silva um, techniques. Dancing. Yeah, he's going in there second round. So it was fun to watch, guys. Um, but I will, ha- I do have to say, Jake Paul did drop him in the last round. Yeah, and that pretty much decided it. Um, this went into decision. Uh, wow. And it was a unanimous decision for Jake Paul, um, and so he won. Actually, he's six and zero. Guys, do you think that makes him a legit contender in the boxing in- industry? Does you think that that can be something where he could be actually potentially maybe thrown into the actual real boxing, um, you know, weight limits to where he can maybe contend for a belt? Well, I say go for it if you can, right? Like, but but it doesn't seem like he's taken on opponents that are. On, on the same level as him, you know, from a skill set, age level, all of that. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, if you can throw in with the pros, go for it. No, he's he's very smart, and he's not going to go in there with a bunch of other young guys that have been in the boxing game for a long time. He's only been boxing a couple of years himself. He'll talk like like he would, and, and he does, but no, he's very smart. This, this is actually a genius by him because he's circumvented the whole boxing industry and putting on his own shows and he's getting these well-known name guys like an Anderson Silva. He even fought a Floyd Mayweather. They're just big money days. There's been a brother. lot of talk that, oh, that was his brother. Yeah, his brother. Well, well both of them, they're, right, they're both right. doing this. Um, there's been a lot of talk that these these fights are basically fixed going in. I mean, who knows right. if that's right, true or not, right. but to they Kevin's f- point, everyone wants to way. see these guys get knocked out, but they don't. Right. <laughs> and it does. Even, it and they're fighting seedy. experienced guys, so... He was calling out, you know, Nate Diaz. We'll we'll see right. if that guy's another guy that's over the hill. But he did also try and call out Canelo, which you know is smart. That's going to be a huge money day. Right. I think Canelo would just go in there, and just destroy him. So that would be great if that happened. I would highly doubt it. But I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll finally get a matchup with a big champion one day. None of but these. I think they're too smart, and they're just going to keep getting whoever's going to draw them the most money. And is also willing to kind of play the game with them so that they get a payday, they get their payday. He's only 25, so they can keep doing this for several years to come. It's it's smart. I mean, it's genius. I give him credit for that. 
But does he really want to go into the ranks of like the actual boxers out there? I don't think he wants to. Wants to and it's a good point too, Chris, because you know he's not putting himself. He's not putting himself in competition with real boxers in their prime. Right? right. He's going after much older men, and most of these guys are actually not in the same weight limit. Um, you know, Anderson Silva, I mean, he's fighting at 155, you know. Yeah. So maybe Max, he's at 180. You know, Jake Paul's a f- actually he's a pretty big guy. He's right. close to that 200, 195 range. And even Nate Diaz, he fights in Nate Diaz, but Nate Diaz in the UFC, he's, yeah. he's 155. Skinny dude. Yeah, yeah. so he's, he's not that big. So that wouldn't be impressive at all if he goes in there and beats, you know, uh, Nate Diaz, right. um, who's not a boxer, by the way. But Anderson Silva did actually have some boxing yeah. um, competitions under his belt. He is now three and two. Um, he came into the ring at three and one. So um, take it for what it is. I, I agree with you, Chris. This is a hundred percent him just chasing money, clout, whatever you want to call it. Um, we would like to see him get knocked out, <laughs> 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 so we could stop the clown show and at least, or at least, see him uh, pinned up against um, you know good competition. Yeah, but that's the thing about these. I mean, they just feel dirty to me. Like, something's up. Like I, I have no, like I said, I'm I'm not not very knowledgeable of these matches and whatnot. But but it just feels like money money laundering to me. Yeah. Like there's there's something else happening in the uh, behind the scenes and and uh, you know it's just somebody's everybody's making a buck. A lot and, of deals uh, going on yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. he's trying to. He even came out. Dana, he came after Dana White from UFC. Um, saying that if he wins the, if he won this fight, that Anderson Silva and Jake Paul are going to start a little committee uh, to help the fighter wages, the fighter pay for UFC because that's his stitch. He's like they're underpaid, they're not getting paid enough. Dana White is underpaying his guys and blah blah blah. So. For whatever, we'll see what happens now that he has the the win. We'll see what they come up Nothing. with. But yeah, yeah, it's it's all just Dana White. Tell him to go f off. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to the NFL. Uh, week eight uh, started off the day with the uh, Denver Broncos uh, taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in merry old London. Uh, the Denver Broncos defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 21-17, snapping their four-game losing streak as they improved to a 3-5 and five record on the season. And the Jaguars have now dropped five consecutive games and stand at 2-6. and six. My opinion of them have obviously been severely rocked now. I actually picked them to win this game. Uh, this was probably my last hope, my last uh, uh, clinging to the bandwagon, if you will, of Jacksonville. I've now officially let go. <laughs> I'm completely off. Um, they're they're definitely not good. Um, this uh, in turn gives me no uh, faith or uh, belief in the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. But however, you know, doing some leg steps for an hour on a flight over to London uh, <laughs> might be uh, a practice that is that is taken on um, by uh, other teams in, in future London matches. So uh, what were your guys take from this game? Um, you know, were you surprised by the outcome? And uh, uh, what, what, what did that look like to you? No, this actually went pretty much exactly as I predicted. I thought it would be somewhat of a tight game that the better defense was going to win. And it was the defense that won it for the uh, the Broncos. You know, Jaguars were driving down and uh, trying to uh, take it at the end, but defense came up with a big interception. Trevor Lawrence, he just he kind of hovers around that 50%, 50 to 60% completion rate, you know, only 130 yards, two picks. He's just... Had a big day for the running back with ETN, but other than that, he's got to get more consistent. 
And uh, Wilson had a, an okay day, 250 yards, one, one uh, TD, one pick. So nothing to be too excited about. Um, so kind of a somewhat of an ugly game. But, um, yeah, the Broncos' defense is far superior to the Jags, so they were able to hang on to this one. Yeah, for all you Broncos fans, one word, right? Latavius Murray for you guys. He's going to be a beast for you guys. I see a, ho- a lot of potential. You can run a lot of schemes around this gentleman. He will be somebody who's going to pick up this offense, and it's right on time. Uh, you guys need it. This is absolutely needed. Um, to your point as well, Chris, Jacksonville was in this game. This guy's this went, game went back and forth. Um, Jacksonville's defense is... A, a, terrible they're atrocious they're they they can not tackle anybody they're all arm tackles out there they can't stop the run and that was pretty much the difference obviously you know trevor lawrence went out there threw a pick on the first possession when they had the, the attempt to go down <laughs> drive to the, you know drive the field and get back into the game and even maybe you know potentially win the game um he throws a pick so this is that like second year you know type of sophomore slump right that you see that we saw this actually through many games this whole week and um uh and so you know trevor lawrence was was the first one that we saw that he just you know threw a pick when crucial times and you know the jacks just don't have it but i do i do see something brewing in there if they get a, a, a better defense for sure yeah, I was, I was like I said, I, starting the season, I had a lot more hope for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You had uh, Doug uh, Peterson as our head coach. You know, he's uh, does well feeding a tight ends and whatnot. I mean, Evan Ingram seemed to have a decent game, at, you know, fifty five yards and a touchdown, but uh, definitely not enough uh, to to uh, get it going, get it rolling, and. Um, like I said, officially off that bandwagon. And so uh, we, we can just go ahead and move on. Let's move on. Uh, Miami Dolphins headed to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Dolphins were able to win this game 31 27. Uh, Miami scored 14 unanswered points in the second half to come back and beat the Detroit Lions. Um, the offensive explosion featured the Dolphins' usual suspects in Tyreek Hill, uh, who caught 12 passes for 188 yards, his fourth game with more than 160 yards. And Jalen Waddell added eight catches for 106 and two touchdowns. That's, I mean, these guys are just the dynamic duo. Uh, as far as their wide receiver core, it's, it's, uh, they, they, they got to be happy with what they were seeing. It wasn't looking very good at the very beginning of this game. I was kind of blown away that, uh, um, uh, Jared Goff and the, uh, Detroit lions were, were winning, but, uh, that, that, uh, w- was short lasted. So, uh, what were your guys thoughts and takeaways in regards to the, uh, Miami, uh, Detroit game? Yeah. Detroit went back to kind of who they were looking like more in the beginning of the season. They got some guys back and their offense was kind of rolling a little bit, but they do what they always do. They can't close games out. They, they are just missing that experience or that coaching or that ability. I, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but they just don't know how to win there. So they couldn't close this one out. And uh, yeah, the dolphins saw both receivers go a hundred yards or and well over that with uh hill. Like you said, um, so I thought it would be somewhat high scoring, probably both teams in the thirties almost got there 31 to 27. So kind of went how I, how I thought, but, uh, the dolphins, you know, if, if they're within a couple scores and you're getting closer towards the end of the game, they, they're really not out of it yet with those, those two, uh, weapons on the end. Yeah, Dolphins, uh, give it up for the the top leading receiver in the whole league, guys. Not just the team, but the whole league, Mr. Tyreek Hill. Um, it's actually that trade has proven, you know, 
pretty good for the for the Dolphins. Um, he had a fantastic day. To to your point, Scott, uh, four over 160 yard uh, receptions um, in the four games in a row. So um, and then he also caught that really crucial pass where it was the third and eight to uh, get the first down to actually clinch the game. Um, and again, that was off a scramble from Tua, and he finds finds Tyreek. Um, so he's Tyreek's really putting in weight over there. He's putting he's putting in work. So and then also Mr. Jalen Waddle too. He's in, he's fourth in the league, guys, with receiving. So he, they have two of the top five receiving um, in this whole league. And Tua's you know has been proven to be a very accurate passer when when needs. And uh, they have a pretty decent running game as well. That defense looks a little suspect. Um, we'll see how how you know how how good the team turns out to be at the end of the season, but it, they are definitely fun to watch. Yeah. And the uh, Detroit lions fall to one and six. And now the Miami dolphins are five and three. Let's head to Atlanta as they hosted the Carolina Panthers. This was a divisional rivalry matchup. Uh, and it, it came down to the wire it really did. It w- this game went into overtime. Um, and uh, it was like with, what, 23 seconds left in the game and Carolina was down with six points and TJ, excuse me, PJ Walker uh, 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 scrambled for, you know, took the snap and uh, from like the 38 yard line is scrambled uh, and, and was able to find uh, um, DJ Moore downfield. Uh, in essence, a Hail Mary, right? Like Hail Mary pass. They were able to to convert to tie the game. Um, the, the extra point was missed. They had the opportunity to put the game away and win this one. Uh, but instead, uh, they they were able to tie it, which gave them hope, which gave them, uh, you know, the, 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 the potential of, of walking away with this one. Like I said, that extra point was missed. And then Falcons were able to, in overtime, win this one with a field goal, 37-34. Uh, Atlanta Falcons now are um, they are uh, number one slot in that uh, NFC South. And uh, I don't think anybody would have uh, picked them to be in the position that they're in. The NFC South is not a very good division. Um, and uh, so a uh, lot to still develop there. But that said, uh, not necessarily a great win. Um, but what's what's going on? I mean, you got the Atlanta Falcons who... We, as we talked about in previous, uh, you know, shows that they're not necessarily that automatic loss that we thought that they were going to be. And then what's going on with the Panthers? It's just like they, they were just broadcasting to the world that, the, hey, we're looking to tank. We've got we've lost our head coach. We don't know who our starting quarterback is. A Mayfield's gone. We're we're, we're you know, we, we shipped out uh, Anderson. I believe the name was of the uh, wide receiver. They yeah. shipped out McCaffrey to San Francisco. We just thought like this is full tank mode. And, and for the last two weeks, I mean, not only did they beat Tampa Bay, but they've been competitive uh, within their division. They almost won this. They should have won this game minus that uh, that missed uh, field goal, extra extra point field goal. Yeah, they definitely should have. I mean, as a quarterback, when you complete a, a bomb like that and you think you just won the game and then your kicker goes right. out and misses an extra point, that's got to hurt. Uh, but I think the Panthers, they're just kind of playing with nothing to lose. They're, they're playing free. They don't have any of the drama with their head coach or with – you know, Baker Mayfield or with uh, McCaffrey, any of that stuff hanging over their head, they can just go out there and play. They, they ex- Everyone expects them to lose, so why not go out and have a, a, a great showing? Uh, and the Falcons, yeah, they're, I mean, with the Falcons and then like with Seattle, I mean, these are both teams that no one would expect to be at the head of their division right now, and but they both are. So give them credit for at least hanging on to win this one, even, you know, 
they should have lost, but they were able to come back once overtime started and uh, sitting pretty four and four. There's just a lot of, I mean, even though they're in first in their division, there's just a lot of very mediocre teams. So at the same time to see a, a, a bad team like the Panthers able to go into Atlanta and, and should have get this victory. It's, it's really not surprising in this NFL we have this season. Yeah, what a divisional, um, what a divisional matchup! This was an amazing game. the The leads went back and forth. Um, who knew what, what was going to happen to this game? We knew it was going to come down to the wire. But as far as twelve seconds and a sixty-two yard bomb to DJ Moore, who, who grabbed it off yeah. of double coverage, <laughs> that was an amazing game. And then the idiot takes off his helmet and he's showboating. He's yelling to the crowd, <laughs> and then he gets a, a taunting, you know, foul. And then oh, the PAT right. gets yeah. thrown way back to where yeah. it's like a, what a forty-something yarder yeah. and. And Lost Pinero, yeah, misses the misses the PAT. That was the game, dude. Yeah. You know, <laughs> shut your, shut your mouth, right? Keep your helmet on. Get back to the sideline. Have your field goal. Come out there. You know, get the victory, and that's the game. Yeah, and but, then celebrate. But the the Carolina Panthers can't do anything right. They he doesn't do it, and then they go into overtime, and then Young Ho, Young Ho, you my own now, cool, you cool, kicks a field goal. Obviously, uh, gets the victory. This is a great victory. But we were talking about PJ Walker last week, um, and and Mayfield sitting on the bench this whole time. By the way, guys, um, PJ Walker is actually looking like a pretty good, you know, medium subpar, you know, type quarterback where, you know, he might be the best thing for the Panthers since, you know, I don't know, Cam Newton, you can make that argument. Um, you got to give it up for Devonte uh, um, Freeman, uh, Foreman as well. Three touchdowns. He was great on the, great on the, um, on the run. And it just was an ugly game for Atlanta. They can't tackle anybody. That defense needs work. That defense is probably one of the worst defense I, I saw this whole weekend, um, Atlanta, they're in first place now. You can be happy and celebrate. You know, it's I know it's exciting. You guys um, kind of lucked out getting this game, but I just don't see them getting any further, um, especially with this first uh, first place position because that defense is really, really, really bad. Um, so good game all the way around. It was exciting to watch, but, uh, yeah, to everyone's point, you know, with McCaffrey gone and, um, you know, Mayfield not starting you know, the Panthers still kind of hanging in there. If they won this game, they would have been what tied. They would have been tied. That's yeah. Crazy. Because they beat Tampa Bay. <laughs> I know that, that would have been, and that would have just, uh, rattled everybody's cage. Right. And yeah, that NFC South, man, it is trivial. And it, 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 the league is this way. It's just, so yeah. we are definitely in a transitionary phase for sure. Because, you know, again, looking at that NFC South, looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're on a three-game losing streak currently. You know, Tom Brady and the three-game losing streak Buccaneers, right? Like, the, nobody would have thought that that would be the case. Um, and and it's it's anybody's game when it comes to the NFC South still, which is, which is just uh, crazy to say. All right, let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Arizona Cardinals. The Minnesota Vikings won this game 34-26. They are now 6-1, and one, the Vikings are. Um, again, continuing to blow my mind. Kirk Cousins continuing to blow my <laughs> mind, throwing for 232 yards, two touchdowns, but also... 
That bastard, he rushed for one, too. <laughs> so what are you thinking about the Minnesota Vikings, man? It's it's really, it, uh, they're rolling, uh, undeniable. Uh, it's it's uh, the, the, I, I just, it's hard to, to, to see. Again, looking at their division in this transitionary period that we're in, uh, you got a Packers uh, uh, squad uh, and you have a Bears squad that are, that are several games behind. Um, what, what are you making of the Vikings? Yeah, they're they're one of the better teams in the league, but I don't think they're on the upper echelon. I think they're they're definitely able to play clean games, you know, no turnovers from Cousins. Um, they've got a decent running game with uh, Dalvin Cook. They've got a uh, legit number one receiver with Jefferson and a pretty good second receiver with Thielen. So they they've got a solid squad, and if they can play clean with with little or no turnovers, they're going to be able to beat the majority of this league. I think once they have to start playing some of the, the upper echelon teams, then then you'll kind of start to see what they really are. But yeah, looking uh, really good at six and one right now. Guys, the Vikings, they got so lucky to win this game. All you Viking fans, I know you guys are super happy. This is a great game for you guys, but you guys lucked out to win this game. Uh, Kyler Murray isn't throwing the bonehead you know, picks that he's throwing. Uh, the Cardinals would have handled this game pretty easily. They're, in those moments, the momentum was all on the Cardinals' side. Um, the Vikings were kind of lucky to kind of hang in there, but you got to give it up. They, they, you know, weathered through the storm and they, they powered through and they, they got the victory. I think the score doesn't really reflect how close this game was because Cardinals were pretty much dominating this game. The whole, pretty much most of the game, uh, a couple bonehead plays from Kyler, um, which is not surprising. It's actually something that the Cardinals is pretty much what leads to a lot of their demise is Kyler's decision-making. It's, it's subpar again we talked about it with like the sophomore is he third year now yeah well, at least yeah, yeah. quarterback least or fourth year, yeah think, yeah, yeah. Qu- quarterback he decisions. just doesn't he just doesn't do enough homework <laughs> that's all of duty true. just came out <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was going for a fortnight to call of duty now <laughs> and, and and uh he's just not doing his homework that's that, the problem it, it just showed you know so a good good victory for the vikings it's it's very surprising to see that they won five in a row well, let's move on to uh, Dallas as they hosted the Chicago Bears. Dallas Cowboys winning this one handsomely, 49-29. to Dak Prescott seemingly on a roll as well. Speaking of uh, Kirk Cousins uh, doing a, having a great performance, Dak Prescott, 250 yards, two touchdowns, did throw one pick, but he also rushed for a, a, a touchdown himself uh, in, in 34 yards to boot. Uh, they're definitely rolling, the Cowboys are. They, they've, they've got that rushing game. I mean, Tony Pollard just having a having a a, a fiesta, you know, uh, 131 yards rushing, three touchdowns. My goodness, that's what you like to see. Jerry Worlds uh, is is uh, definitely happy and high off of this for sure. Though, is this one of those deceitful wins? You had the uh, the orange Juliuses out there, uh, the Chicago <laughs> Bears wearing their orange helmets and their orange jerseys and uh you know uh, looking like a joke but uh uh yeah Dallas in their uh their, their big boy blues you know uh, not wearing the whites at home but instead uh, rep repping the uh the the, the blue unity so uh, I'm sure that that was a factor as well um yeah what do you make of this uh this uh Dallas Cowboys squad that's now sitting pretty at six and two yeah the bears in their orange sunny D lights yeah, there is no like- D no defense <laughs> Cowboys just threw a party on him, 49 points. I was actually surprised the Bears got 29 points, so a pretty high-scoring game. 
But the Bears outside of the second quarter didn't really amount to much. Six points in the third and six in the fourth, uh, nothing in the first. So they, they did find some life in the second quarter. But other than that, Dallas just completely stomped them. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the Bears, they're just not a good team. The, the Cowboys are. Uh, but, they, yeah, they need to, to change to those blue uniforms at home because they do look much better. They were finally able to. It seems like they haven't really had one yet this season. Finally able to have a good offensive showing from beginning to end from the Cowboys. So if they can continue to do this kind of uh, offensive output, they're going to be a really tough team, a team to be reckoned with towards the you know playoff time deep into the season. Because, yeah, if they can run the ball like that, we already know what their defensive line can do. And uh, yeah, great win for them. But you know, it's that's the Bears, so it's 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 nothing to be uh, too surprised with. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Bears actually were in this game for a long period of time. Although, did you guys see? <laughs> did you guys see uh, the fumble recovery from Parsons, who actually ended up taking it a uh, fumble scoop six? You know, took it all the way back, and Justin Fields, instead of touching the gentleman while he's down on the ground, yeah. jumps over him completely. Yeah, it was wild. Was able, and he was able to get up and literally <laughs> run all the way down for a touchdown. Like though, again, this is is this sophomore? Is this sophomore Justin Fields, or is this three year? Again, this Sophomore, is what we're yeah. seeing this whole past weekend, where these quarterbacks are making bonehead, th- you know, bonehead decisions, and it's like over and over again. These guys, like, do they not understand the whole concept of football, other than them just throwing the ball? But I will say that the. The, the, the Bears did get some success when Justin Fields actually ran the ball. We've been, yeah. again, you listeners we've know. We've been calling we, for it. We've been talking about this. So it was a little bit of a closer game other than up to that point. Then it went all Dallas Cowboys from that point. And you guys know as well as all, everyone here that we've been calling Dallas Cowboys are some special in the blue uniforms. And it's nice <laughs> that they wore it at home um, because they did really put on a show for their home fans. And, it, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys pretty much handled business when they needed to, hand to uh, handle it, right, guys? Yeah, Yeah. no, and, uh, again, you, you got a Dallas Cowboys squad, you know, that's now, you know, within their division, of course, sitting behind an undefeated uh, Philadelphia Eagles squad. But they're they're looking pretty good and pretty promising. Um, so uh, the future's uh, definitely bright, at least this season is for that squad. Um, let's move on to uh, New Orleans and who that, who that, who going to beat them Saints. Uh, but before we do that, let's, uh, you know, invite you to uh, join our agenda to sideline the agenda by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy your podcast entertainment. Give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. Sideline the agenda. Get off the sideline and into the game. All right. New Orleans Saints hosted the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, the Raiders did what uh, at least uh, I thought the Raiders do. And then that's uh, shit the bed. And um, it was just a really awful, awful display. Uh, Derek Carr lightened up the numbers with 101 yards uh, passing through one pick uh, and an even more impressive uh, negative yard rushing. Um, You know, Josh Jacobs was held at 43 yards on the ground. It just was not looking pretty. Now, I understand that a lot of uh, Raiders apologists will will say that they're banged up and they're they're not full strength. Um, You know, Devontae Adams caught three yards 
Um, it's just the Raiders suck. They just suck. Okay. And you can make an argument that the saints aren't that great themselves either, but, uh, they definitely made Andy Dalton look good, uh, throwing for 229 yards and two touchdowns. So what do you think the, I mean, I think the Raiders are washed out. They're done. They're the doormat of the AFC, at least, uh, you know, with their, uh, now two wins, um, for the season, uh, now I get it that the New Orleans Saints aren't looking to- so hot themselves either. But um, you know what was your what were your takeaways from this game? This was more of the Saints team that I I thought we were going to be seeing more from this season. They I thought their defense was going to be good, and their defense showed up today. They had a great game. Um, I I thought that they I mean if you listen to our last, last episode, I actually thought the Raiders were going to win because I thought they're going to be able to run the ball. And uh, that they were that would free up their their passing game, but they couldn't do anything. They couldn't run it. They couldn't throw it. This was the dominating Saints defense. I thought we were going to be seen, which is why I thought that they were going to be like the sleeper team of the season. And you know maybe they will be for the second half of the year, but they're still only sitting at three and five. But in that division, you know they're right in the thick of it. They're only a game out. So yeah, a complete manhandling by the Saints. And I don't know. I think. Uh, might be sticking with Dalton. He's been having some good games. You know, if you look at his numbers over the last several weeks, he's been solid. Even in some of their losses, he's been solid. So uh, great game for them. And then they can always bring in that that X factor of uh, uh, Taysom, Taysom Hill. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he always uh, makes the defense have to think about something. So th- they got some weapons, you know, with Hill and Kamara. Uh, if they're not turning it over, which uh, they were pretty good with today, they're going to be able to be in a lot of games if their defense plays like this. Yeah, and coming from the MVP of the game, Mr. Alvin Kamara, he said it himself that his goal, their goal was to come out and beat their butts, and that's exactly what they did. I got to hand it to Alvin Kamara. Obviously, he had three total touchdowns, two in the air, one on the ground. Um, And this, guys, he hadn't scored any touchdowns this whole season. This was his first game where he actually put down, he put down three uh, against a very um, uh, compromised Raiders defense. I don't know what's going on with Derek Carr. I don't know what's going on with the Raiders. I don't know what's going on with the Jacobs. I don't know. I think they they probably need to start all over. Uh, doesn't look like their coaching is, is doing it for them. So I'd probably look at that and say, hey, uh, our offensive scheme is not working. We're not giving the ball to Jacobs as much as we should. We're trusting Derek Carr for some odd reason. We think he's a superstar, and there's literally no experience or even anything to base that assumption off of. I just don't get what the Raiders are doing, and it's kind of – I mean, I, I just don't get me wrong. I love to see a good Raiders loss, and this was it doesn't get better than this. <laughs> but at the end of the day, these guys, these guys are professionals, and if we right. can see it here, yeah, I mean, what are they watching? I mean, Josh McDaniels got a hell of a squad in regards to at least names, at least right. talent, and he just seems to not be able to wield any of it. And again, I've always never been a big car fan, you know, like I said, his middle name should be used. Uh, but <laughs> this is on brand to me. This is on brand for the Raiders. This is on brand for what they've been, um, not able to put together when you, when you're not just focusing on putting to, you know, together, just a, a, a badass football team and you're concerned about, uh, other, you know, social agendas or other things that are, you know, like from a front office standpoint, I don't know, like to me, this is like what the, this is what you get, you know, like, 
I could go on a whole other tangent in regards to there's there's a lot of negative signs in regards to their their office structure and 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 so I don't know is Josh McDaniels himself overrated I think so yeah. I think he always has been um, but he's a face and he looks like he, you know he's a, he's got that face that people recognize and so they needed an answer especially in the wake of them getting rid of uh, Chucky getting rid of um uh uh Gruden. Gr- yeah uh, so you know um anyway it doesn't matter the raiders are doormat they're 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 going nowhere um sorry for to, to all you raiders fans but uh, let's move on to a team that is going somewhere of course that's the philadelphia eagles who hosted the pittsburgh steelers they won this game 35 to 13 and remain undefeated on the season uh this game was all about uh, jalen hurts and all about uh, aj brown jalen hurts he threw for 285 yards four touchdowns passing that's you love to see that and then of course it was just all about brown town aj brown 156 yards and and three touchdowns on the day. Who can stop Philadelphia? Well, definitely not the Steelers. Uh, this was a, a complete demolishing, which we pretty much all predicted and saw coming. I mean, the, the Steelers, they're in a down year. They got a rookie quarterback, and he didn't even really have that great of a day. Uh, they just don't have the weapons to compete with the Eagles right now. And, yeah, Hurts, great season. I mean, if he keeps this up, you know, he he might be uh, in the MVP running um, they've they've got weapons over there with the receivers. Their defense is good, so you know the the Eagles are looking every bit as much of the, as their record shows at seven and zero. Uh, and yeah, I mean to your point, you know they might be really high wins, you know 15, 16 wins, fourteen. I mean who knows if they even go undefeated? Doubtful, but that's just so hard to do. But uh, yeah, they're they're looking great. Yeah, the Steelers didn't have no no shot. They didn't have a chance here, guys. They're, this quarterback, I mean, Kenny Pickett, say what you will, he has a couple years where he, where he starts to learn how fast this game is, and right now he's still learning. He's throwing picks out there that are very crucial to the game, but let's be honest, guys, the Steelers were never in this game. The defense of the Eagles shut this, the, the, shut this offense down for the Steelers, and it was pretty much from the get-go. Um, Eagles pretty much rocked them, which is what everyone expected. It's cool to see, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, do his thing out there, but I I still have to say I have to say that the MVP, the real MVP of this offense is actually Miles Sanders. This guy blasts holes and he literally puts defense on their heels so quick that he opens up the passing for the Jalen Hurts. This guy's really he's really the X factor, and they have a great offense and uh, along with this, this the other side of the ball, you know they have great defense as well. Um, they have AJ Brown to throw to, they have Goddard as the tight end, and then Zach Pascal as for, as far as you know. Who to, who to target in the air. And we're going to see a lot from the Eagles, and it would be interesting to see how far they can get in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's my one concern about them. I've said it many times on this show is that they're, they've got like the second lightest schedule in the league, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. And so when, when they actually truly get tested, we have yet to see that happen. Um, but uh, I, I think it's going to happen here week nine. Uh, this is my first uh, week that I've identified as far as their season's concerned in which they may drop this game. But that said, uh, when they they will definitely inevitably win their division, I believe, and then um, when they do uh, get tested uh, after that buy, after that wild card gets settled, uh, I don't know. I think they're primed to potentially drop that 
hopefully not. They're, they seem to be rolling. They have a great squad. All good things. Uh, fly Eagles fly. All right, let's move on. Uh, New, New York Jets hosted the New England Patriots. Mac Jones, he got the nod for the Pats. Uh, threw uh, for 194 yards, one touchdown, and did throw one pick. Um, but uh, the big the big story of, of this game and that allowed the uh, Patriots to beat the New York Jets 22-17 was Zach Wilson and his uh, his love for the pick. He loves cougars and he loves throwing <laughs> picks. <laughs> yeah, uh, Zach Wilson, another one kind of like uh, uh, Lawrence from the Jags. He's just very inconsistent. He's showing his youth. Uh, a less than 50% completion percentage. You can't do that and, and really be successful in the NFL unless you've got a dominating defense with a great running game. Uh, so drop back 41 times, only got 20 completions, two touchdowns, but you completed three passes to the defense, and you can't do that. A Belichick team, uh, they're going to beat you if you do that. And, you know, if he doesn't do that, the, the Jets probably handily win this game. Um, they're a much better team, I think, from bottom to top than the the Patriots are. Um, but again, it's pretty much any team you play, you you give them three like that, they're they're gonna come back and get you. Guys, this showdown was literally quarterbacks that are not ready for the league competing. <laughs> guys, you said it the best. Zach Wilson, he came out through three picks, and did you guys see where he's rolling out? And there's a lot of pressure on him, and he's trying to throw the ball yeah, away. Yeah. And he throws it by the sideline, and that gets picked. <laughs> when he should be throwing <laughs> it outside, ball. out yeah. of the bounds. Oh, my goodness. Especially when he was standing right by the sideline. <laughs> he, like, he, he didn't have to throw it still within bounds. <laughs> like, talk about just giving the game away. Zach yeah. Wilson made a lot of what so – is he a so – again, is he a sophomore in the league? Is he a – Yeah, no, he, he didn't he, really play didn't much play, last uh, year. I think he was hurt. Okay. So it's kind of like his rookie year, but so technically we're, his second year. Again, this is exactly what we've been seeing this whole past you know weekend. Just quarterbacks just you know making bonehead decisions. Um probably aren't really ready for the NFL. And uh the Jets should have won this game, to your point. I, I agree with you. You know, New New England um Patriots uh their offense was was terrible. I will say that their defense was very impressive. Their defense shut down that ru that run. Their defense did get a lot of pressure on Zach Wilson to force these interceptions. And I just got to say one word, guys. Actually make it two because it's just literally a name. Matthew Judon. He's the playmaker. <laughs> He's the X factor for the Patriots. They came out there and literally stopped, stopped this offense from the Jets. They didn't have much in offense anyway. But, I mean, it's no wonder the guy's leading the whole league with sacks, right? Eight and a half uh, sacks on the year. I mean, this guy's a beast. And uh, it's 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 kind of surprising that he plays for the Patriots. I think maybe in the next couple of years we'll see him play for maybe a better potential team. But, you know, he was the biggest difference in this game, and it, and it showed. Yeah, Pat's defense with uh, six sacks on the game. Um, definitely going to win when that happens for sure. All right, well, let's move on to uh, Houston as they hosted the uh, uh, Tennessee Titans. Um, Houston Texans were sitting 1-5-1 one, and one now because the uh, newly 5-2 and two Tennessee Titans beat them 17-10, to 10, and this game was all about Derrick Henry doing what King Henry does best, run the ball, 219 yards rushing for two touchdowns on the day. Uh, you got to just keep rolling with that, man. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you've got playing on uh, QB, QB. They had a what, Malik Willis 
uh, yeah. taking snaps, uh, throwing for a, a monster 55 yards and an <laughs> interception. And but it really didn't matter. It got it done. Uh, Henry got it done on the ground for the Titans. Oh, gosh. This should uh, <laughs> thankfully quiet any kind of controversy that the media would try to stir up about Tannehill because I know they were doing that in the draft uh, just uh, with Willis here. I mean, you won a game with your quarterback throwing for 55 yards and a pick. Uh, just shows you how dominant Henry is. 219 yards. That's just amazing. And they also had another back, Hilliard, go for 83 yards. So they're just running all over the Texans. They they knew that they're not going to go back and, and beat them by throwing. So just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play good defense. The Texans are not good offensively. So it was a low-scoring, ugly game, 17-10, to 10, but... Titans just kind of did what they had to do to win today, and uh, they'll probably get Tannehill back for next week. Uh, I think he was just sick to, uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, so he'll be back, but, you know, it's kind of the same role for him. You know, he's going to throw up more. He's going to complete more, get a little more yards, but it's still it's going to be all on the back of Henry. Yeah, the Tennessee Titans showed up, and it's literally just a one-man squad out there. Uh, Derrick Henry just pretty much ran over it, and you guys already mentioned it, so. Yeah. I'm good there. All right, well, let's move on. The New York Giants headed to Seattle to take on the Seahawks, and uh, the Seahawks beat them 27-13. to 13. Uh, Do Gino, the quarterback <laughs> of the Seattle Seahawks, why it's Gino Smith throwing for 212 yards and two touchdowns, uh, also rushed for 26 yards himself. Like, the, the, Gino Smith is, is, is obviously coming up, big-time difference maker. This is also speaking to me as far as I'm concerned of the coaching ability of Pete Carroll, an individual who I've not been a big fan of and have not given enough credit because Gino looking like Russell Wilson back there and Russell Wilson looking like Gino Smith in Denver. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think that there's a lot to be said for coaching here, a lot to be said for offensive schemes and whatnot, but also there's a lot to be said about that Seahawks defense. It seems to be getting a lot better uh, and it definitely helps against the G men when you're holding Saquon Barkley to 53 yards. He did score a touchdown, uh, but uh, Daniel Jones as well passing for 176. Um, what do you think? Are you believing? Are you believing in Seattle and see Seahawks and uh, do Gino, the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks? <laughs> I'm starting to know him. I don't believe him just yet. I, I think the Giants are uh, probably the worst six and one team that we ever <laughs> have seen. But you know now they're sitting at six, six and, two. and two. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the to your point with Pete Carroll and typically a lot of these older coaches that are still in the league. They, their teams, they know their scheme, they, they know how to play, and they're going to coach them up well. We've been seeing a lot of teams with young coaches and uh, you know rookie coaches that aren't playing so well. Uh, and I think that's kind of the reason why we're seeing so much bad play in the league overall. But more specifically to this game, they were forcing Jones to beat him. You know, he went back and threw 31 times, only completed 17, didn't even get to 200 yards, no touchdowns, no picks to his credit, but you're not really going to win a lot of games on the road going like that. They just shut down Barkley. You know, they gave it to him 20 times, and he only got 53 yards. So you sh you stuff the run. Uh, you make Jones beat you. He doesn't have, you know, the best weapons as far as receivers go. His offensive line isn't all that great. And you're going to put yourself in a great position to win the game. And uh, that's what they did. And Geno Smith, you know, he's not turning the ball over, which is what you want. You know, they want to go back and, and run the ball. And, uh, 
you know, stick to the play action and just basically keep doing what they've been doing. And I think that's the key to a lot of these these teams. They try to get too creative. They try to get too smart. They outsmart themselves, and they, they make mistakes. And it seems like the key this year is if you just don't make mistakes, you play good defense, take away whatever the other team does well, you're, you're going to be in a great position. You know <laughs> this is a huge trial for the Seahawks, guys. Seattle Seahawks, they're going against a you know, Giants is very successful team so far. Um, I think Pete Carroll is, is definitely, he's probably done this a couple times, right, guys? Um, we said it before um, to all you listeners, New York Giants, they're really a one-trick pony. The, Daniel Jones is not going to come out here and beat you in the air. They're literally going to run the ball and then open up the passing lanes as the run, running ball pretty much, you know, pushes the defenses back on their heels. And uh, with the Seahawks, I would I would agree. I think their defense is actually a lot better than what, we're, what everyone anticipates, at least so this far in the season and so when they shut down Saquon it's literally no it's no problem to shut down Daniel Jones because he doesn't he's he doesn't have the same the talent to actually beat somebody in the air and that showed uh and then also you just have to mention too uh what was his name Richie James who had two fumbles that he lost that obviously uh went right into the hands of you know Seahawks that you know they took advantage of and so that's pretty much the difference of the game here this this kind of was a neck-to-neck game um we were anticipating a lot better defense out of the giants but to your point geno smith keeps showing up and this could be just all the coaching or the scheme the offensive uh you know scheme that they got going that he worked you know fits in perfectly um seattle is doing it guys and they're making themselves a threat out of that division Kind of be going to be fun to watch. Absolutely. I mean, especially like we were saying earlier, how we thought that they were going to be completely the doormat of the NFC West. And that is definitely not the case. It's the uh, year of the bird. It is the year, except you got the Cardinals. Who are, uh, <laughs> the Falcons. You're splatting everywhere. Every, every division. <laughs> yeah, you got the Falcons. You got the Eagles. Yeah. That's true, right? Yeah. Yeah. Every division where there's a bird, they're in first Eagles. place. <laughs> Give them the bird. Yeah. You got Give them Seattle. The bird. You got the Falcons. You got the, the Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, they're all in first right now. <laughs> you got the Ravens as well. They're all in first in their division, except for the Cardinals. But it's because Seattle's already in first, so. <laughs> All bird right. is the word. Well, the bird is the word, and we're going to head to uh, Indianapolis as they hosted, uh, the Colts hosted the Washington Commanders. This was one of those uh, lame games that uh, did have at least a selling point in regards to these two young quarterbacks who were going to go at it. Of course, the uh, uh, Commanders quarterback, Taylor Heineke, who is, uh, uh, you know, spearheading his team for the uh, fallen Carson Wentz, and of course the new fresh face in the Indianapolis Colts squad of Sam Ellinger who uh gets the nod in the wake of Matty I- Matt Ryan getting iced um and put on placed on the bench the uh, commanders won this game they squeaked it out came down to uh um that extra point uh 17-16 um this was uh you know a uh, it was probably not that good of a game really uh the big difference maker is the fact that there was two fumbles um that uh, uh the indianapolis uh lost i believe and and you just can't you can't do that and expect to uh to win a game um and uh you know heineke actually had a pretty good showing at 279 yards passing one touchdown he did throw a, a pick uh, uh but he did rush for 29 yards as well as uh, uh got himself a rushing touchdown what's with all the quarterbacks and their rushing touchdowns today it was a step on up and get yourself a rushing touchdown day uh so um 
What, what are you guys thinking? I mean, obviously not much to be said. Uh, the Washington Commanders are now 4-4, four and four, and the Colts are now 3-4-1. and one. Yeah, I just was happy the Commanders won, just so I can start to hear hopefully some controversy about, let's get Marine back in, <laughs> back in there because the rookie didn't look like he was anything special. But the Commanders with their quarterback, uh, uh, Heineke, you know, he's, he, he does show some good energy, and I think they're, the team can kind of rally around that. But, um, I mean, it's kind of pick your poison with Winter with him. You guys, this is my favorite last place divisional team. Um, Commanders, I don't know. There's something about them. I, they're very likable. T- Taylor Heineke, he's a competitor. He's out there to play. And with he's running the ball or throwing the ball, he's going to try to find the end zone. And, you know, I, I can say, you know, aside from, you know, Carson Wentz, Heineke actually finds his playmakers. He knows who they are. Terry McLaurin. And Antonio Gibson. Those are the two guys you get the ball to as soon as as much as you can as soon as possible. Um, and they came up with a victory. So, you know, happy for them. All right. Well, let's head to the NFC West for the quest of who is best. Uh, San Francisco 49ers headed to Los Angeles to take on the Los Angeles Rams. The 49ers won this game 31 to 14. Los Angeles Rams defending Super Bowl champs looking a little bit more like the defending Super Bowl chumps. And uh, this uh, game for the 49ers was all Christian McCaffrey. Talk about a great move. Uh, Perfect timing. He was definitely uh, the key to this game. But I imagine there were several other points uh, to this game as well. Chris, I'm just going to let you go ahead and take it. (laughs) Yeah, as a Rams fan, this game was incredibly frustrating. Uh, Rams went into halftime with the lead, 14-10. I think this whole game basically flipped on the last possession of the first half. Rams yeah. had the ball with a minute left and one timeout, and they didn't even try to drive down the field to even attempt to try and get a field goal. They ran the ball and ran the clock out, and it's, in my opinion, one of the weakest and softest moves I've ever seen uh, from a football team in recent memory. And for whatever reason, the the I don't know what McVay's deal is, but every time they play the 49ers, they play scared, and that was a scared move. That was a weak move, and that is not a good ma- mentality to show to the rest of your team, and it showed. They came back out in the second half, and they sucked. They completely sucked. The offense was weak. You had several three and outs. You got guys dropping wide open passes. You got Stafford missing cup streaking right down the middle, and he goes to Robinson underneath for an incompletion. Uh, just just a really bad football game. The defensive coordinator should have been fired last year. I mean, playing that soft zone, even to the point where, once again, this is this multiple times this year where even the commentators watching the game are commentating on this soft zone and how easy these completions are. Right. So the 49ers, they've got the formula down. They know how the Rams play. They know how that coordinator calls the defense. So they literally only have to run like three different plays and they're going to get completions, and they're going to run the ball into the same gap every time, and it's just, it's almost after, you know, after you're watching the game for a while, it's like, well, I've seen this game before, and I've seen it before (laughs) and before. Like, this is the eighth time in a row in the regular season that we've seen this, and it's the exact same formula, and then for whatever reason, you know, once the, the other team is not the 49ers, the Rams seem to actually play with some kind of energy. They just play scared against them, and I don't get it. And uh, there needs to be some kind of accountability because it's, it's just, it's bad. It's really bad. Van Jefferson came back, didn't even get a completion to him, didn't even involve him in the game. Uh, Cup had a, a good game in the first half, but 
didn't even have a completion in the second half until uh, the very last possession where it looked like they almost broke his ankle, which was incredibly frustrating. Why were they even out there if you're just going to run the clock out? Uh, so bad, bad showing by the Rams. I mean, for the 49ers, you know, they did what they had to do. Uh, they took advantage of uh, uh, the Rams and 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 their scheme. Uh, so great win for them, even without Debo, um, which maybe played to their benefit because they just kind of forced to McCaffrey even more. Garoppolo had a great game. Wasn't really under much pressure too much. Had a couple sacks, but other than that, was, was playing pretty clean. Um, so yeah, bad day for, for the Rams, but, uh, uh, that mentality with, with McVay, it starts from the top, goes down and, uh, he's got a lot of things to fix. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. What an ugly game for the Rams guys. McVay, he's pretty predictable. I don't understand why he's starting Ronnie Rivers. Where is he coming from? Starting <laughs> out of the backfield. Um, didn't seem like he got his playmakers involved as much. It looked like they were predictable. Second down, uh, second down run, even first down like screen or whatnot. It seemed very predictable. Um, Garoppolo looked like an all-star out there, right? He was yeah. just dunking mm-hmm. and dying. He, he literally had one one throw down the field, but everything else was you know throwing in the in the uh, slot routes or, you know, very, very predictable. Throwing it to uh, McCaffrey uh, most of the time. Throwing it to uh, Brandon Ayuk uh, yeah. most of the time. It didn't seem like it was very hard to stop. And you know, Ramsey had a couple, you know, balls that hit him in the hands Drop that he ended picks. up dropping that could have been, you know, huge momentum. Could have been game changers. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, that they actually end up dropping. And then, um, you know, 49ers to come back and take advantage of it. It just didn't seem like the, the Rams were really in their, you know, in their stride. It seemed like they were dropping it on both sides of the ball as far as, you know, coaching, as far as, you know, the plays that they were calling. Um, I don't know why they were playing so far back on the 49ers. Um, they should have been, you know, in their face, at least the receivers in their face in the first five yards. And then, uh, putting some pressure on Garoppolo. I, I think there was a couple blitzes they they used, but it it wasn't enough. And um, you know, it was it was an ugly game for a Rams fan. Uh, for you 49er fans, um, I would be super happy that you have McCaffrey now. It seems like he's saving your season. Um, looks like you guys are favoring him a lot. Although uh, you know, I'm not very I'm not very impressed with your offense at this moment as well. Um, defense looked like it was okay, but. Um, it, it seems like you guys are one or two trick, uh, two trick ponies, um, which is is not hard to beat in this league at this moment. NFC West is just one of those divisions again where everybody's just kind of like cooking with the same recipe, you know. And yeah. uh, you've got uh, the the unforeseen Seattle Seahawks uh, leading the division five and three. Now you've got the 49ers sitting second place four four. Uh, the Rams, of course, three and four. And the Cardinals three and five. Um, obviously, it's not over for the Rams. Uh, they definitely um, can get back in it, but it's not looking good for the Super Bowl uh, defending champs. Um, in my frustration, I floated the idea of just cleaning house and getting rid of some of these guys, especially before the uh, November 1st, 4 p.m. trade deadline. Uh, obviously, that probably won't happen. But I real quick, what do you what do you think about that? Uh, the first person I would get rid of would be Raheem Morris. That's that's for sure. I've been wanting to yeah. get rid of that guy for a while because I think the players, at least defensively, I think they still need an edge. But the players, I think, are are good, but they're in a really bad scheme. I think you're not using Ramsey the way you need to use him, which is why he's looked subpar lately. He's getting beat in some of these coverages because he's playing some kind of soft zone. He doesn't really know who he's on. He's letting some guys get behind him. We saw... 
uh, was it the rookie Kendrick and that one deep pass that Garoppolo had, he just got lost in coverage because he's playing some stupid zone instead of being on some guy. And uh, the 49ers, you know, they're going to throw it to Ayuk or they're going to throw it to McCaffrey every great once in a while, maybe Kittle. But you're playing these soft zones instead of getting your best guys on their best guys, playing some man, bringing the blitz, putting pressure on Garoppolo. They didn't do any of that. So I think the coordination is really bad, and that's the first thing that I think needs to get changed. Taylor Rapp needs to go get whatever you can get for him. If it's a seventh-round pick, whatever. Hell, if it's a sandwich, I'd take yeah. it. <laughs> Jeez, just get him out of the building. There was He's a awful. crucial, crucial third down and seven. He just completely whiffed on McCaffrey, and then uh, 49ers went right back down and scored a touchdown. That's uh, you know, Those are game-changing misses like that. And this has been the same script all year and all the time with this guy. He would be the first one as well I would, I would seek to get rid of. Uh, kind of wanted more with Wagner as far as stuffing the run, but again, I think it's more scheme uh, with those guys. Offensively, if you could add an offensive lineman, that would be awesome. Um, but just getting guys healthy and getting them back integrated as far as Jefferson, and we've been seeing a little bit more from Robinson lately, which is great. Cup, of course, you know, one of the, if not the best uh, receiver in the league. Um, so if you can get a little bit more on the O line to run the ball a little bit more, open up that play action a little more, that would be awesome. Who knows what's going to happen with Odell? Um, I don't know if that's going to be too much for them to integrate. I mean, I guess too many weapons can't hurt. Uh, Higby, you got to catch the damn ball, man. That was a huge yeah. drop. I still think you should have gone for it on fourth and two after that. Game was pretty much over if you punt it anyway. Um, but defensively, the coordination would be the first thing. And McVeigh, um, if you can get someone on the O line, then great. But you, you got to figure something else out offensively. You can't be so predictable. Yeah, Darion uh, Kendrick from the defensive back for the Rams, number six. Yeah, yeah, he was exposed several times, and then also Rap was exposed as well. And that might be why Ramsey is is doing maybe over overdoing it, you know, yeah. and so he was on the side, even I think he was get in the grill with Kendrick, you know, telling him that he needs to do this. And I don't know what he's telling him, but he's yeah. obviously yelling at him, very frustrated. So uh, there's definitely, and that was even players. before the blown, the blown coverage. Yeah. Yeah. I did, if they go and yeah, if they bring back OBJ, it's like, I, I struggle with that. Cause it's like, man, you can't even work in, you know, Robinson or Jefferson into, right. into, to, to the workflow. So it's like, what are you going to do with him? And of course I, I totally agree. Taylor rap. It's gotta be a rap on Taylor rap. <laughs> that's, that's for damn sure. And coaching is key for sure. And I think after today, Sean McVay is going to have to call Kyle Shanahan daddy. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to green. Well, the green Bay Packers headed to, uh, Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills going going into this game I think uh, we all collectively thought that uh, Aaron Rodgers and the uh, Packers were uh, headed it to headed in for a bit of a shellacking and um, well it really did turn out to be just that uh, the Buffalo Bills beat the Green Bay Packers 27 to 17 um, the Packers now uh, are uh, 0 in 7 all time playing in Buffalo. Um, so definitely a space and place that they do not like to play. Um, things just are not working for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, his wide receiver core is, um, he just, I mean, obviously he's got a lot of hurt wide receivers. Cobb's out. I mean, plenty of them are out. I mean, that's been a story for a while. Uh, they, they just they just seem like it's a squad that doesn't, you know, play well together. Uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, threw for 211 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. 
Aaron Jones had a bit of a, a, a game. Uh, he, he rushed for 135. Um, but uh, just they just could never really seem to find and establish an offensive rhythm. Uh, and, of course, with the Bills, Josh Allen, they're rolling pretty well. Uh, Josh had a an okay showing in the sense that he threw for 218 yards and two touchdowns, but he did throw two picks, um, had himself uh, 49 rushing yards as well. Uh, you know, obviously, um, the Buffalo Bills are one of the top squads in the NFL, especially in the AFC. Uh, this is uh, this game went exactly how I thought it would go. Uh, so what do you what do you, what are your takeaways? Is this uh, are, are 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 we still uh, you know believing in the the uh, the the media favorite Buffalo Bills? And um, what are our thoughts in regards to? the Green Bay Packers and and their future for the rest of this season. Yeah, the Packers, they're missing that extra weapon out wide. Uh, even with Cobb, Cobb isn't really a number one receiver. He's he's more of a complimentary guy. They need that number one receiver, and it really shows without it. They they found some good uh, offense with their two backs, with uh, Dylan and Rodgers. Um, but without that that receiver that he can go back and, and rely on, like uh, obviously they lost with Adams. They just are missing that extra gear that they can't get to and they can't beat good teams. And the Bills are definitely a good team on both sides of the ball, defensively, offensively. And like you said, I mean, Allen, he didn't really have the, the best day, but they still pretty much handily won this game. Uh, Packers in the first half, they did have that uh, when they got stuffed, I think it was like on fourth and one or two when they were in field goal range, and and that was a big miss there. I mean, even if they got those three points, it probably doesn't change the outcome, but makes it more of a game. Um, but Rodgers you know, and, and Green Bay, they, they need another uh, receiver. I don't know if they're in the market at all, if they're trying to give up any picks. Uh, you know, there's been talk of some receivers out there being available, Brandon Cooks on the Texans, for example. Um, th- they need another weapon, but their run game did look pretty decent. Uh, that one-two punch of Dylan and Rogers, so maybe they can build off that. But Bills definitely look the, to be the class of uh, of the AFC. The, you know them and the Chiefs, uh, and then you got a few teams like kind of on the the tier below them. Um, but yeah, they're looking tough. Yeah, tough game for the uh, the Green Bay Packers, that's for sure. And it's very uh, very touchy out there. Those guys are a <laughs> got of, a little chippy, uh, didn't a little it? chippy. Yeah, a lot of emotions <laughs> flaring. Um, I kind of like that though. I did like some yeah. passion, you know, on both sides. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had a tough day. Uh, they had they found some success with Dylan and Jones in the backfield, uh, but Rodgers had literally nobody Jones, to yeah. throw to. I kept saying Rodgers yeah. for some reason. <laughs> I knew what you were saying. <laughs> Jones, Aaron Jones, people. Uh, I knew I, I knew that Rodgers had some some, but Sammy Watkins literally was a no show. Um, he's a lot better than not showing up on big games like this. I know Lazard's out. I know. Uh, uh, What's his face? Cobb, Cobb is out, yeah. right? But Tanya and even he 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 was kind of a no show. Um, it was just a tough game for Green Bay. If I was a Green Bay fan, the thing I can take away is the the running game actually looked pretty good. The holes were pretty, were there for the uh, for for Jones and and even also Dylan. But uh, for as far as the Bills, you know, they came out very strong. I think they went in halftime what twenty four up twenty four seven. Um, but you know, as a Bills fan, I know that it was garbage time. But you can all, you can also argue argue that uh, they didn't finish very strong. Um, yeah. Josh Allen threw two picks in a row late in the game. I do believe is in the fourth quarter. 
quarter or third and fourth, you know, um, and they were scoreless in the fourth quarter. So potentially with great play out of Rodgers, they might have they might be back in this game and they this score might be not as reflective of how close it could have been. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a strong win for the Bills, uh, especially at home. But um, we're, we're expecting them to go far in the AFC. So the Buffalo Bills, uh, they are uh, the top of their division in the AFC East. And uh, the, the Green Bay Packers in that NFC North, they're uh, sitting uh, middle uh, stream in mediocrity. Oh, my gosh. Mediocrity. Mediocrity. Thank you. Uh, at uh, three and five, along with the Chicago Bears and, of course, the six and one uh, Minnesota Vikings uh, on, on the top of the division there. All right. Well, let's uh, real quick uh, before we go, let's look at Monday Night Football. We've got a, a wonderful uh, AFC North rivalry game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. This game is in Cleveland. Again, Cincinnati Bengals have been rolling. Um, they've seemed to find themselves again. Uh, Joe Burrows seemed to, uh, you know, uh, reestablish that that offense in, 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 into what we always thought it could be. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals are sitting at four and three and then taking on the Cleveland Browns that, of course, are just trying to tread water with enough time to buy them time uh, to uh, get Deshaun Watson back uh, and to, to see what he can bring to the table. And they're sitting there two and five. Um, you know, I expect Cincinnati to head into Cleveland and uh, win this game handedly. Uh, but of course, you always have that threat of that Cleveland Browns running game. Yeah, it's really going to hang on that if they can run enough to keep it close enough. These are two teams going in opposite directions. Browns started out pretty well. I think they were two and one at one point. Now they're still sitting at two and five. Uh, Bengals, they had a slow start, and now they've already got a winning record at four and three. So I, I would, I think that that's going to continue that same trend. Bengals are going to continue winning, uh, even though it's going to be in Cleveland. Uh, the Browns, they got to run it. They got to run it well, and Brissett needs to not turn the ball over if they want to win this game. Yeah, another division rival, another another great matchup. Uh, this should be a little bit, uh, as far as scoring, should be a little higher scoring than what we're used to. We've seen um, some of these Monday nights. But Joe Burrow should be able to lead the Bengals to a victory. I mean, he's third in the whole league with uh, passing yards. And then, um, you know, going to the Cleveland Browns side, you're looking at Nick Chubb, who leads the league with rushing. And then also you have Von Bell on the defensive side as well, with the, who's number five with picks. So um, should be interesting to see. Uh, this is going to be a good matchup, but I, I'm – I, I am, there should be no reason why the Bengals sh shouldn't pull this one out. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns, they got to give the Bengals the chub. <laughs> <laughs> Lean big with their chub, and uh, uh, maybe that will be their key to victory. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to Sideline the Agenda. We're up at it every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so please tune in to the show. You can follow us and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy your podcast entertainment, and also uh, follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. I'm Scott. That's Kevin. That's Chris. This is Sideline the Agenda. Get off the sideline and into the game.